And if you don't have a Bible with you, feel free to pop your hand up, um, and one of the ushers will come, or one of the welcome team will come along and give you a Bible. Also, if you don't have a booklet um, or a pen, feel free to also put your hand up. It'd be great to take notes uh, during that time if you like, you know, listening that way. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll give you a couple seconds while that's happening. Um, now, Bible reading is so great. We believe that this is not just a book, but it's actually God's word. So uh, before we before we read the Bible, let me pray uh, for the word, and we'll get dig into it. Uh, pray with me, Father God. We thank you for your word. We thank you that. Even, you know, all these years later, it's so relevant and, um, yeah, it's, it's so great that you can speak to us in this way. We pray that as uh, Pastor Iggy uh, teaches us through this word today that you'll speak faithfully um, and that, yeah, hearts will be changed and that we'll see more of who you are. So teach us what you will and, uh, yeah, may, may you open our hearts to uh, receive your word receptively. So we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So our Bible reading today is from Philippians uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, that first section there. Uh, if you've got a church Bible, it'll be earmarked for you. So verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Dick. Now, everyone, keep your Bibles open to Philippians 1. Uh, here at CP, we're all about God's Word. You know, we're looking into God's Word. It's so precious to us. That's where truth comes from. So keep that open and follow along with me as we go on through today's message. And it's so great we get to start a new series today. Um, I'm really excited about the book of Philippians. It's a fantastic book. Now, uh, how was your chat about teams, you know? Uh, I'm sure you, we've all been part of some sort of team in the past. Uh, some experiences have been positive. Sometimes the experiences can be a little bit negative as well. Have, has anyone ever done a group assignment before? Hands up. Who's done a group assignment before? Yeah? Um, have you, you know, when you do a group assignment, you always get that one person, you know, that one person who just doesn't do anything at all. You know, they say they'll do something and they forget about it or it's late and then the rest of everyone else has to pick up the slack and it's not a very good experience. If you've never had that experience before, maybe you're that person. You've got to think about that. I'm sure we've all been part of bad teams in the past, whether it's a, um, a work, a team at work that you're assigned to, a sports team, um, maybe even your family as a team, you know, it doesn't always work that well. People get lazy, people, there's conflict, you know, it's, it's hard work. <clears throat> and at times like this, sometimes it's easy to think um, to yourself, um, it's not worth it, I'm just gonna do it myself, right? Have you ever had that thought before? Why bother working with a team? But let me tell you something. Um, 
in God's plan, uh, he wants us to be part of the team. It's a non-negotiable. That's who God's made, God has actually made us to be. He's made us to be part of a team serving together for him, for his glory. That's every single person. That's what he's made us to do, to be. We're starting a brand new series today called Joy-Filled Servants, a book on um, the book of Philippians, yeah? a series on the book of Philippians. Joy-Filled Servants of Jesus Christ. We're going to look at what does it mean to actually serve with joy and who doesn't want that? You know? We don't want to be serving Jesus out of obligation and guilt and uh, out of reluctance. We, we want that to be fueled by a right joy. And I, today I want to show you that part of that joyful service to Jesus Christ is actually not doing it by yourself actually doing it as part of a team and that's really important and so first we're going to set the scene <clears throat> philippians 1 verse 1 have a look at philippians 1 verse 1 with me paul and timothy servants of christ jesus to all god's holy people in christ jesus at philippi together with the overseers and deacons grace and peace to you from god our father and the lord jesus christ now, this is um, an introduction uh, to the book, and the form of introduction tells us that this is a letter, a letter that uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who's an early missionary and church planner, uh, we've just, just read all about him in the book of Acts, um, and Timothy, a young leader who Paul is apprenticing, you know, they're writing this letter. In other letters, <clears throat> excuse me, Paul follows up with his title, Paul, an apostle sent from Jesus. And he does that to bring some authority about who he is. But look at the reference there. Did you notice what it says? Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Servants of Christ Jesus. And I think this isn't an accident because that actually Paul's setting the, the direction for the whole book. The, the big theme that he's bringing out. And the theme is this. It's servanthood. Servanthood. It's all about servanthood. This is at the heart of the book, a humble service of Jesus, modeled on Jesus Christ himself and how he's humbly served us. Keep an eye out for that theme. This is going to permeate the entire book. Thanks, Matt. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi. Okay, He's got this theme in mind. He's writing to a church in Philippi. All right, Philippi uh, was an important Roman colony located in Greece. You can see at the top of the map there. Uh, you can read about how Paul started this church in Acts 16. Uh, it's been many years since then, um, and since he started the church, there's uh, overseers. In the intro, he talks about overseers, otherwise referred to as elders or pastors. They've been appointed in the church. Deacons have been appointed in the church. There's a bit of church uh, governance and leadership there. So the church is growing, but it's a church in need of encouragement, as we'll see in the future weeks when we work through the letter. Because what we'll see as we work through the letter is this. The church, uh, there's a bit of conflict there between members. There's pride. And there's opponents to the gospel rising up, you know, going up against them. And this sets the scene of why Paul writes what he does. Setting the scene for the book is really important to actually understand the context and the situation that Paul is writing into. But I want you to also note something important as Paul writes this letter. This isn't just a letter to convey some information, some facts to the Philippian church that Paul is writing. You'll notice as we read through that passage, and keep an eye out for it as we read through, did you notice the heart that Paul has for his people? Yeah. Is it, Paul loves the church so deeply, so deeply. He holds them in his heart, it says. He, I, I yearn for you. He says, I, I, I long for you with the affection that Jesus Christ has. He starts, he, he's got so much love for these people as well. So you, you've got to understand that. And he starts by actually saying how much joy 
the Philippians bring him. And we're at the first point, the joys of partnership. Um, Have a look at verse 3 with me. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, every time I read the Apostle Paul and what he writes, I always feel a little bit guilty. Um, I always feel a bit rebuked because this guy is just overflowing with thankfulness, right? Every single letter he starts with, he's just abounding with thankfulness. Um, This guy's amazingly thankful. Did you see what he said? He said, every time I think of you, I give thanks for you. Every time he thinks about the Philippians, he's giving thanks to God for these people. Can you imagine someone doing that for you? How incredibly encouraging. Now look what it says in verse 4. Have a look at verse 4. It says, um, in all my prayers for you, I always pray with, with what? With joy. With joy. The Philippians, every time he remembers them, he's overflowing with thankfulness, overflowing with joy. Why? Well, it's because of this. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Gospel partnership brings about joyful thanksgiving. Gospel partnership brings about joyful thanksgiving. Paul is not just thankful that these guys are Christians. That's, an, that, that's a cause for thanks, definitely. But that's not the sole, per, the sole reason he's thankful. He's thankful because they're on his team. They have his back. They're co-workers in the work of the gospel. The Apostle Paul, he's traveling all around through danger, proclaiming the gospel, sharing the gospel. And these guys are his team. They're backing him as he goes and does his precious work of bringing the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection to this world. The good news of sins forgiven and eternal life to be had. Paul's got a team. We might have a picture of the Apostle Paul, especially after reading Acts. You, you go, man, this guy's incredible. Like, I've, I've just gotten this view of, like, man, such bold, courageous work for the Lord. Um, you might think he's some hero that just goes out and converts whole cities all by himself. But if you paid attention in the book of Acts, you would have noticed he, he's always got a team with him. He's always got people backing him. He's not doing it alone. He's doing it with others. He knows he can't do it alone. And more importantly, he knows that he shouldn't do it alone. Because the Apostle Paul, and we should know this as well, that uh, God hasn't made us to go solo in the Christian life. That when you're saved, it's not just about you. All right? You become part of a church. All right? You become part of God's people. You become, part of, you become God's family. You actually become the church. This is just part of who you are. Relationship with others. Laboring side by side. Partnering together. And together as a church, we are called to a clear mission together. A mission that our King Jesus left us. A mission that Paul was on. And a mission that we continue on today. And it's this. And to go and make disciples of all nations. Paul was special, but he always had a team with him. Did you notice that? He was all about gospel partnerships. Now, the big question I ask is, what is gospel partnership? What, what is it? What's it all about? Well, particularly with the Philippians, it was actually financial support for his mission. I'm going to take you forward to chapter 14, I mean, sorry, chapter 4, verse 15. Have Just have a look on the screen. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me the matter of giving and receiving except you only. 
For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Can you see this support the Philippians have been giving him? Yeah? And also, uh, uh, verse 18 in chapter 4. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Paul says, um, if we go back to the first one, <coughs> that the Philippians have been gospel partners from the first day until now. Right from the start, many years ago, when Paul left Philippi, they gave to support his ministry. That's what it says in, this, in these verses. Yeah, right from the beginning, as soon as Paul left, they were supporting him. And he said, when no one else would support me, you guys were supporting me. You were giving me gifts. You were giving me aid. But they haven't stopped giving to him. Uh, in verse 18 onwards, it talks about the fact that there's a, uh, a man was sent called Epaphroditus. At the very time Paul is writing this letter, so right when Philippians is being written, uh, Epaphroditus is sitting right there with him. Because what's actually happened is he's, he's been sent from Philippi all the way to Rome to bring gifts to Paul as he sits in prison. So you can see where Philippi is, and you can see Rome there. So what's actually happened is Paul is sitting in prison right now, and Epaphroditus has come from Philippi all the way. It's not a short journey from the Philippian church. Why? To bring gifts to Paul. To bring gifts to him. Paul is writing this letter actually as a response to that gift, to thank and encourage the Philippians. And Epaphroditus is waiting to carry this letter back to the Philippian church to encourage them. You can see this generous partnership here. Gospel partnership is about generous giving. Gospel partnership is about generous giving. For the Philippians, it was a thoughtful, intentional giving out of love so that the gospel work could continue. They partnered with Paul when no other church... I was actually quite surprised that, that Paul said, no other church partnered with me, gave to me, except for you guys alone. They were the sole supporters of Paul. That's incredible. So that he could continue preaching the gospel. Without them, he couldn't do that. Obviously, gospel partnership has many different aspects. I'm sure the Philippians were praying for Paul, encouraging Paul as well. But the generous giving, that was a key part. It really makes a difference. Now, friends, as a church, we are committed to this as well. We're committed to gospel generous partnership. Each year, we set aside a portion of our budget, a significant portion of our budget, uh, for mission outside of CPE. This year it's $27,000 that we're giving to mission outside of CPE. And we give generously to help our missionary partners. Here's our missionary partners. Yeah, you've seen some of them around, you've seen them come to visit, they've done some home visits and there's missionaries here locally as they go proclaim the gospel on campus. There's missionaries overseas um, as they proclaim the gospel in hard countries. Missionary partners, gospel partners, like the Apostle Paul, all around the world, telling people about Jesus in hard places that we couldn't go. They literally can't do it without your support. They literally can't do it without our support. And the support to many other, of many other churches and individuals around the world. As you give generously to CPE, just know that you are helping us, or you actually are a gospel partner with all of our missionary partners. You can partner with them individually as well if you'd like to. You can head along to cpchurch.com slash mission if you want to partner individually as well. But as a church, these are people we're committed to partner with. That's really important for us. 
gospel partnerships about generous giving. And also, as you give to church, um, some other people you're in gospel partnership with is, is me. Um, is with Pastor Matt, who's serving over our Sunday school today, with Pastor Ben, uh, with Ling as she trains in ministry, with Dennis as he manages the operations that enables ministry to happen right here. We depend on your partnership to actually keep going in our work, to keep faithfully proclaiming the gospel, discipling people, caring for people. We might be the staff team, but you are our team. Honestly, without you, we couldn't do it. Friends, your giving really means a lot to me personally. I mean, this passage made me stop and really uh, think about this. And I'm genuinely really grateful for each and every one of you who gives here at CPE Church. I'm so grateful that I've been freed up from um, having to do more secular work to support my family so that I can devote myself full-time to the work of the gospel. This is what I love doing. This is what I think is most valuable. And you enable me to do that. Keep proclaiming the gospel, discipling people, helping others. So thank you so much for that. I'm genuinely grateful, and this passage has made me stop to actually think about that. Um, I I so often take that for granted, let me tell you that. So thank you for your gospel partnership. And I'm sure um, the rest of the uh, staff team would echo my sentiments. So thank you so much. Our missionaries missionaries feel the same way as well. Let me me show you. Um, I asked some of our missionaries, uh, local and overseas, for, you know, how... You know, how does it feel like knowing that you're being supported here at CPE Church? Uh, here's one for Steve Manders, one of our OMF missionaries in Japan. He says this, It's definitely an honor to have CPE and its people standing with us prayerfully and financially. There is so much encouragement that comes from knowing that we're in this together. We're a team serving the Japanese church. How good is that? Our uh, next one's from Steph Hawkins, who's one of our local uh, missionaries at ES at UQ. Steph says this, Knowing that people at CP are supporting me makes me feel enormously thankful and comforted that God is at work through my weak efforts because he provides for our ministry here through you. It reminds me that I am actually doing this work with many brothers and sisters who might not be on campus but who really care about students knowing Jesus and growing in him. It is a huge boost to me to know that the joys and challenges of gospel work are shared. How encouraging is that? Yeah, that's a huge boost step to keep going to have that support around her knowing that you're we're financially supporting her as a church how good is that you can see how vital you all are as part of a gospel team supporting gospel workers around this world it's so important gospel partnership brings about joyful thanksgiving remember that every time you give remember that that this is bringing about joyful thanksgiving with many gospel partners around this world if you'd like to increase your gospel partnership to those individual missionaries, you can do that as well. But we as a church are committed to that. Thank you for being part of that church. Um, I do want to take this moment to just give you a quick update on where we're at. Uh, we need you to uh, keep being generous. We'd love for you to keep generous to help us keep going in our gospel partnership. Um, at the moment, uh, we are $30,000 behind budget. Um, and if we continue like this, the trend is, you know, four months into the year. If we continue like this, we'll be $90,000 down by the end of the year. And that will actually impact our gospel partnership. That's just a reality. I just want to raise that for you today. We won't be able to support as many missionaries or give as much to them. We might have to cut down our missionary support. And also here at home in CP, the reality is if that continues, then the staff hours will have to be cut. There's just a real impact, friends. I just want to raise that with you. Um, I just want to ask and uh, for you to prayerfully consider if you can be more gospel generous. 
If you haven't started giving yet, please, I urge for you to do that. This does have an impact. Um, if you have the means to increase your gospel giving, and I know not everyone does, and that's fine. Thank you so much for what you can give, then please prayerfully consider that. That would really help us keep par- partnering in the gospel to help this work keep going, both here at CP and beyond. So I just want to raise that for you all. Um, for myself, I've had to uh, really think about that as well. I've, I've just sat down with Ching, and we've decided to, we decided to triple the amount we're giving to church. Um, I don't say that to boast. I'll be honest. It's because I hadn't revisited my giving for a while, you know. Um, it, was, it was the same amount that we're giving uh, probably two years ago. And then we thought and prayed about it and we realized we have the capacity to give more. You know, we could sacrifice in other places so we could actually give more. We just hadn't been intentional about it. So um, I'd love you just to sit down and have a pray and think about, you know, if you can be more intentional about that. Yeah. Will you consider doing that with us, please? Thank you. Because gospel partnership, it does bring about joyful thanksgiving. It enables us to keep proclaiming the gospel. And there's nothing better than that. But friends, not only that, not only does gospel partnership do that, gospel partnership is also a sign of real faith. Real faith. Have a look at verse 6 with me. In Philippians 1, verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it on, carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how, lo- how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now these verses tell us something. He follows this on about, you know, he's following on uh, the verses about gospel partnership. And he says, I'm confident that God will complete this work in you on the day of Christ. Paul is 100% absolutely confident that the Philippians are Christians, that they're the real deal, that their faith is genuine. He has no doubt whatsoever that they trust Jesus with all their heart. How does he know that? Because of gospel partnership. This is what makes him confident. In verse 6, that's what he says. In verse 7, he goes on to say, it is right for me to feel this way about you in verse 7 it's right for me to feel this way about you why because whether he's in prison or traveling around proclaiming the gospel the Philippians have not stopped partnering with him they're sharing in his grace they haven't stopped gospel partnership is a sign of real faith I'm sure you've asked the question before how do you know whether someone's saved you might have asked it of yourself how do I know my faith is real in one sense only God knows the heart uh, he can see spiritual realities we can't, uh, which keeps us humble and keeps us from stop, stopping trying to judge people all the time. But if you study scripture, you also see a consistent thing. Look for the fruit. Look for the fruit. Jesus Christ himself said this, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. That's from Matthew 12, verse 33. You know an apple tree is an apple tree because there's apples on it. You know an orange tree is an orange tree because there's oranges on it. You know if a tree is healthy or not by how, what fruit it's producing, what sort of fruit it is. The external fruit tells you the internal reality within. And the fruit of, the fruit of gospel partnership is one clear sign of genuine faith. That's what it's saying here. And when I thought about it, I think that's so true. Because think about it. Who here would just willingly give away their hard-earned money to others? Just so some 
other people overseas could hear about Jesus and it doesn't benefit me, it doesn't help me at all. Why, why would I give to that? Why would I? I could invest more. I could buy more property. I could upgrade my phone or upgrade my car or I could get more toppings on my bubble tea. Why, why would I give that money away? It doesn't make much sense, which is why I think it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Gospel partnership reflected in generous giving is a sign of real faith because it only comes when the Holy Spirit moves our hearts and grips our hearts by the gospel to be generous, to give, to part with this money that we so tightly hold on to. This is why Paul is so got confident about the Philippians. He sees the fruit. And friends, let me tell you something today. If you are partnering in the gospel, if you are giving towards the work of the gospel here at CP, or you're partnering with uh, missionary organizations or supporting City Bible Forum or AFES or whatever it is, if you're giving that away uh, so that the gospel can keep going, then um, I think that's a sign that you are one of God's people, that His Spirit is working in your heart. He's transforming your heart to be more generous. I think that's something that you can take comfort and assurance in, that you're on God's team, you're partnering in this work, that you belong to Him, that your faith is genuine real strong faith now don't hear me wrong this is not a workspace theology we're talking about here okay it's not give more money guarantee your way to heaven that's the error of so many churches unfortunately the prosperity gospel this is a work of god from start to finish did you notice what paul says in verse six being confident of this that who is it that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Who's doing it? It's God. It's God. God is the one that started this work of transformation in the Philippians, and God will bring it to completion. When will he do that? When Jesus Christ returns. On the day of Christ, when he returns again to bring in the new heavens and earth. What is the good work that God is doing in us that he will complete on that final day? I think at the very basic, at least at the minimum, it's alluding to the fullness of our salvation, that final day of salvation we have. But I think it's talking about something more here too. I think this good work, if you look at that, the good work in you that God is doing is to make us more and more like Jesus each and every day. Romans 8 talks about how we are predestined to want to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to be made more like Jesus. And we're on a journey, step by step, day by day, forward to that destination of being made in the image of Christ perfectly on that final day. Friends, we have a responsibility as Christians to live out lives of holiness, to be generous, to love, to be holy. But what a comfort it is knowing that ultimately that work is not about us trying harder but about God working in our hearts, transforming us by the Holy Spirit day by day. That our holiness, that our sanctification is in God's hands. It's in God's hands. We can't change ourselves by trying harder, but we can when we pray and depend on God to do that work of change in our hearts. Maybe you're here today and you're frustrated by an inability to stop worshipping a certain idol of yours. Career, status, sex, whatever it is. Maybe you can't break free of a certain addiction. Porn, alcohol, gaming, whatever it might be. Maybe you keep falling, maybe you keep failing to love others. And you just hurt each other, other people instead by your words. And maybe 
maybe you're here and you just can't be generous. No matter how much you want it, you just can't let go of your money. There's, some, there's something holding you back. You want to change, but you can't. Well, God is at work in you, friends. That's what I want to say to you today. He who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? You won't be perfect this side of heaven. That's a good thing to remember because that helps us to be gracious to each other, doesn't it? You won't be perfect this side of heaven. None of us will. But God, He guarantees that He's working away, chipping away at those imperfections, molding, shaping us to be more like Jesus a little bit, day by day, little by little, as we walk towards our heavenly home. Our lives are in God's hands. Our salvation's in God's hands. Our sanctification's in God's hands. We're made holy, which means this, we should pray about it more, shouldn't we? And friends, that's what Paul does next. One, our third point, a prayer for love. So far, the Philippians are a bit like, um, did you ever uh, have that perfect kid uh, when you were growing up that your parents always used to compare you to? You know, um, you know, you come home and go, hey, Dad, um, I, got a, I got a B plus. And you go, oh, Jimmy got an A plus. And you got an Amos in piano as well or something, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that kid that like, never does anything wrong, doesn't seem to have any flaws. They're the favorite child. Well, um, you know, Paul, it seems like the Philippians are a little bit like that at this moment. Paul loves these guys so much. Did you hear? He's just like, I long for you. I'm so thankful. I'm affectionate. These guys, they're gospel generous. They're giving away their money where no one else is. They care deeply about Paul. Their faith is so strong. It's hard to compete with the Philippians when you think about it. Which is why the next section reminds us of something very important. That they are still works in progress like the rest of us. Look at Paul's prayer. Philippians 1 verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now, there's a reason that Paul prays for this stuff. It's because they're struggling with it. Okay? That's why he's praying, because they need it. Paul prays this because the church actually had problems, and their big problem was this. It was a lack of love. A lack of love. He's praying for love for them. There was pride and conflict in the church. As you look forward in the rest of the letter, chapter 2, you'll see Paul just calls on them to be humble and to have unity amongst each other. He's implying that's not happening at the moment. Chapter 4 addresses a particular two, two specific women who were gospel partners with Paul, but they're having conflict, and it's impacting the rest of the church. He's addressing this. This is not a perfect church. They struggled with love, and Paul's deepest desire is that they will love each other that they'll love each other. But if you look at that verse, if you look at Philippians 1, verse 9, do you see what the key is, actually, to love? Do you see what it is? It might be something that you don't, might not think about straight away. It's, he doesn't just pray for love. He prays for knowledge. And this is my prayer, that, you may lo- that your love may abound more and more how in knowledge and depth of insight. And what's he talking about here? Maybe the Philippians, I know, they probably just need a course. Uh, latest techniques on how to resolve conflict. Uh, ten steps to better teams. Uh, how to apologize well. Maybe that's the knowledge they need. 
Uh, they need a bit more training, uh, yeah, the stuff that work makes you do all the time, you know, that sort of thing. No, no, no. This knowledge is all too superficial. What he's talking about is knowledge and depth of insight into the one piece of truth that will transform their lives. Who Jesus is. Who Jesus is. I know this because this is the heart of the letter. This is actually the heart of the letter. In chapter 2, which um, we'll go about in future weeks, it's going to be a great week, chapter 2, there's a magnificent poem. A magnificent poem which everything in this letter is linked to, that everything comes out of. And let me just give you a quick summary of what that poem is. This is where everything in the letter is based on. It's this. That Jesus Christ, even though he is the king of heaven, the creator of the universe, seated on his throne in high, even though that's who he is, he humbled himself, came down to this earth, and made himself nothing for us. He made himself a man, and not only that, he went and he died a humiliating, shameful death on the cross, taking on the punishment of criminals, even though he was innocent. The highest of high to the lowest of lows. This is our Jesus. This is our King. This is our Christ. This is what he's done for us. This is at the core of this letter here. Because Jesus, even though he's the King, he comes to serve. He's a servant King. This is the knowledge. This is the truth. This is the depth of insight that the Philippians need. Because without this, they cannot love like they are supposed to. Jesus made himself nothing so we could be forgiven. This is love. He sacrificed his love, his life, so that we could be forgiven. This is love. How can you have this knowledge and just go on being proud and selfish and just thinking about yourself? How can you have this knowledge and go on hating each other and putting yourself above others? Paul is saying this to the Philippians and he's saying this to us today as well. We've been shown love unlike any other. A love that we did not deserve. A love that the king of the universe chose to humble himself to give to us. And if we really get that, if we really get the gospel, this love will completely transform you. Only this love can break the hardness of our hearts and humble us. Friends, let me encourage you about something. If you're, you might be here today and you're really struggling to love someone, you know, it might be a really difficult family member. It might be a friend that's hurt you or betrayed you. It might be an ex. It might be, I don't know who it is, maybe someone in your workplace who's giving you a very hard time. And you're struggling to really love that person. Your solution to love this person is not to try harder. Your solution is to look to Jesus. It's to remember who Jesus is. It's to remember how much he has loved you. And to let that love transform your heart heart. That's the only way that we can love those who are hard to love. Look at the greatest example of love the world has ever seen and let your heart be captivated and transformed. Jesus died for you. That's the solution. And the end goal of love, when we think about it, it isn't just harmony and peace with each other. Look at what Paul really desires in verse 10. Yeah, it's coming up on the screen. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Christ is coming back. Keep that in your mind. Christ is coming back. 
And on that day, what's important is one thing, one thing only, His glory. His glory. When He sees His church coming back, what will He find? Well, if He finds a church living out the fruit of righteousness, love, peace, patience, joy, faithfully, humbly, striving to love like He does, guess what? He will be greatly honored, greatly praised. He will receive glory. We won't be perfect until Christ returns. But our calling is to, step by step, become more like Jesus. A bit more, each and every day till then. Filled with the fruit of righteousness. And this can only come through Jesus Christ. That's what it says in verse 11. Friends, we need to behold our King Jesus. Because that transforms our life, friends. That's all we need to do. Our crucified and risen King. We need to let our vision for Him fuel our love of one another fuel our gospel partnership with one another and as we live out humble self-sacrificial generous joyful lives guess what happens god receives glory honor and praise and that's why gospel partnership matters that's why this matters welcome to the team let me pray for us father god we thank you so much for your grace and mercy in christ we thank you that christ has died for us, given us new life, and humbled himself to do that. And we pray that the gospel, that we may let it just transform the way we live. May we let it transform the way we love those around us, and may we let it transform our generosity so that we can be partnering in the gospel as your mission continues to make disciples of all nations all around the world. And we pray this ultimately, not for ourselves, but for your praise and honour and glory. Jesus' name we pray.